We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the ProVision Brokerage Celebrity Segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And we have Great. another amazing guest. I mean, we could just, we you, you, he's so um, recognizable. We, he probably could tell us about all the times he's recognized on the streets. Uh, but we have a great guest today that's going to tell about his passions, but also the, his latest project. That's right. So today we have none other than, um, where do we start? So actor, producer, director, been nominated in Golden Globes, Screen Actors Guild, uh, Emmy Awards, starred in over 80 movies, 80 film and TV productions in his 50-year career, Sam Watterson. So Sam, great to have you with us. Glad you could join us today. Thank you. I, I just briefly wanted to call attention to the work of these two guys from Westport, Connecticut, who um, found, discovered an argument in the New Yorker that, that said that uh, Westport was the inspiration and the location of the Great Gatsby. And I was in the Great Gatsby years and years ago, so um, they got in touch with me. And it's really a, a homemade movie, but it is a genius movie. Yeah. And really the long and the short of what I have to tell you about it, um, was that I defy anybody to go to the house where, where Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald uh, rented, to go to the house that Zelda and Scott rented in Westport and walk from there to what is now a country club, but which was at the time the estate of an extraordinarily wealthy man who threw huge parties and had elephants and movie stars and, uh, everything in between um, as guests uh, and not have the hair stand on end on the back of your neck. It's so it, it, it feels so totally like the great Gatsby itself that it's, uh, it's really an unforgettable experience. Wow. Yeah. So I was reading about um, this new, this new documentary movie and it, and it became available September one, correct? You know, uh, I, I'm counting on you to know all okay. of that stuff. So, according to according to the 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 information we received and and online, it says it became available September one, and it's on all streaming devices. And so, I was reading up on it and and watched some of the information, and it, it looks it does look really fascinating. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out because I love the Gatsby. It's it's obviously one of the the great American novels. And there's been a lot of uh, academic controversy about this, but yeah. uh, but it's really so physically convincing. Just the geography yeah. and the description of the house and mm -hmm. the things that are in the house, which are really there. Like uh, you know, this was all during prohibition, and there's a there's a step on the stairs leading up to the second floor that lifts up, which is a a place to hide your booze and <laughs> this, is, this is something that they talk about so yeah so it's, it's very very convincing and then you know I mean of course I'm fascinated by Fitzgerald and fascinated mm -hmm. by the book for the perfectly good reason that I got to be in that movie 
right. with some extraordinary people. So, yeah. so uh, I was uh, I was in from the from the first word, basically. So yeah. Now you have history with with the Great Gatsby because you were Nick Carraway. Uh, when the movie came out in 1974, correct? That um, was my character. Yes, I yeah. remember that perfectly. So, well. so you've got you've got well, you've got history with the Great Gatsby, which is what brings more to, uh, I believe, this documentary that really takes it to another level. Because people, you know, when they think of Great Gatsby, a lot of people think of you. So to see you in this new one, as they've unveiled newfound information and and researched information it, it just gives it a different dynamic and excitement for people to check it out actually the people that make the case uh are academics and scholars and these two young men uh yeah who who devoted so much time and effort to getting this out uh mm -hmm. they i'm basically uh the audience they walk me through yeah. the argument and they show me uh, that that that's basically my my role in the movie yeah interesting and you just didn't you learn from them right sam yeah process I, I i hear them make the case and it's a very convincing case yeah yeah so and they've they've done lots of research and and uh, historical findings and of course like you mentioned there's some controversy because because historians and writers have always put it in New York, and the reality is what they found is yeah, in Long Island. Yeah, yeah, right. and and the book says it's in Long Island, and Fitzgerald <laughs> did spend some time on Long Island, but uh, the geography and actually the experience that Scott and Zelda had, the kind of wild and crazy life that they were living, is so mirrored in in uh the great Gatsby that it, you know i'm complete you know you're 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 if, if there is controversy but not in my mind right gotcha. and, and you like that that dialogue so you've been conversation. oh totally if you can convince nick caraway exactly that's what i then, that's what i feel that's right and, and the, i'm sure the feedback of all the people that have written have read it and now go back in this com conversation. I'm sure, Sam, you're hearing a lot of feedback from this as well, for you doing this. Well, people who are crazy about the book um, and crazy about Fitzgerald's writing will get a, a gigantic boost out of the movie. And then, and then I hope they go have the experience I had, just go to the place and feel like you're walking around yeah. on the lawn and through the fields that they, that they did. Right. It's, it's right. pretty thrilling. Now, I know a chunk of people will be interested in this because they've recognized you, right? Maybe they didn't see The Great Gatsby, but they've watched Law & Order. Or, you know, they've seen you with anywhere from Mia Farrow to Jane Fonda to Walter Matthau and all these movies that, you know, I grew up with, um, you know, you've got such a fantastic history. I mean, 50 years in, in television and movies. That's getting more towards 60. 60. Hold well, on. congratulations. 
Yeah. That's, you know, you've seen, you've seen some amazing things uh, <laughs> in your almost 60 years. I mean, just think of all the, all Who the hasn't? actors. Right. Um, but, but all the, you know, so when did you, how old were you when you did your first movie or, or TV or something like that? Well, I, you know, I must've been, I was, I was just out of college. So, you know, I must've yeah. been 21 or 22. So. Yeah. Okay. And you are, you are within a week of my father. He's, he's November the 24th, 1940. Um, I'm much younger. Yes, yes, yes. So the fifteenth, my mom's the seventeenth, um, ah. but but my dad's the twenty fourth, or he was the twenty fourth. He oh, household full of Scorpios. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, when I saw your birthday, it just it just really hit home because I was like, man, you know. When is your birthday? September the fourth. It was last oh, Friday. So, yeah. well, and then my birthday. son is tomorrow. He'll be 17 tomorrow. Oh, so we had, we had a little birthday breakfast this morning. So mm-hmm. our early happy birthday for you. It's coming up soon enough. Thank you very much. So what would you tell now, your where fans? Do you, do you why, live in, so I was going to Sam. Go I, ahead, Neil. No, yeah. I was going to ask Sam, what would you tell your fans why they should watch this documentary if they've not heard a lot about The Great Gaps? Why would they watch it? Oh, I... I don't know why they would unless they're interested in The Great Gatsby. This is a documentary about where The Great Gatsby, what inspired The Great Gatsby, where, uh, about the geography of it and about the ongoing discussion about what, what the location of The Great Gatsby actually was. So yeah. people that are fans of that, you might not. Yeah, but some so of your fans. I suppose if you watch the documentary, it might make you be interested in one of, I mean, people sometimes say it's the greatest novel in the American language. So, yeah. you know, yes. it wouldn't be a bad way to make a start. As a fan of yours that they have not, or might have read it at one point in time and have forgotten, what a great way to see you involved mm-hmm. in this and then also the, the research and what's and, come out. Because I think that's fascinating as a historian. Didn't they make you read The Great Gatsby when you were in school? See, I absolutely didn't, see. I didn't and really. You didn't, so, no, no. So okay, then, I don't know. Maybe you should read the book and then watch the documentary, or you know, or both. Of the, I, I can do it. I can do it during the yeah. pandemic. The pandemic's a time, and I'm an educator too, former teacher, uh, Sam, and never read it. So it was what did you teach? Don't tell me you taught American literacy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not teach American literature. I taught uh, math. I taught social studies, and I was more K through eight. I mean, I was taught fourth grade, eighth grade. I did a little high school, but more math, and and a little bit of uh, social studies, but not. So you can't fault me there, and you have to fault my Catholic education for not having the great gaps gaps be on my list. So yeah. there you go. Mark Being interrupted by a telephone call. Uh-oh. They want to talk to you about your home warranty or your car warranty. Yeah, they do. They want to, yeah. <laughs> this is your last uh, chance. We're going to come and arrest you about your social security. That's right, right, right. Uh, unknown number. Could be spam. I love those calls. Um, 
So, so now, did you say that you live in Connecticut, or is that where you might have? Yeah. Okay. If I did I was in okay. the house that Zelda and Scott rented, uh, which, according to Deej and Robert Stephen Williams, um, is the place where uh, that's referred to in The Great Gatsby. So yeah. Other the house is still there. Yeah, that's yeah. the extraordinary thing. And uh, and uh, the stair with the hidey hole for your with the your booze and right and the proximity to to Gatsby's estate, which is now oh wow country club absolutely and yeah. the water and the dock and the wow right across the across yeah the amazing the water, views and all and... of the things from the gate Great Gatsby, which yeah. you Neil don't know anything about because you haven't read it shame on you <laughs> now you're going well, you out could watch the movie. movie oh my gosh okay you, so now you could i watch I the movie see... Neil, but the book is yes yeah, so and shame on me not to know that but again it's available everywhere right sam right not be the truth <laughs> it's already it's, out september 1st so eric so, you can so basically it's available everywhere september 1st sam do you have any other projects coming up that you can tell us about yeah, or so i'll get it real quick wait? You know that uh, Grace and Frankie has been suspended because of COVID-19, but uh, we're looking forward as soon as it's safe to going back to work. And yeah. at the moment, that's supposed to be right at the turn of the year. But mm -hmm. apart from that, well, there are other things in the works, but you can't say anything yet. To tell. Well, yeah. I appreciate it, Sam. Again, we're a huge fan of yours. Thanks for taking the time. And you've already, you've called me out. I have to read The Great Gaps. Yeah, you really and then, should. And then, and then after that, watch the documentary. And then kind of just... We'll talk again. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the Light in the Morning podcast. I'm excited to welcome program Margo Lemark. Margo, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Neil. I hope you are too. Oh, I'm doing fantastic because, again, it's my favorite time of the year. I'm ready for some candy. I've been kind of not, I guess... Uh, dieting just to gain 10 pounds on Halloween. You know, when you trick or treat, there's lots of candy and you never know all those different things. And also always people are giving you candy and we all know it in the offices and stuff. So time to get a little bit of a sweet tooth going, but I guess yeah. on a somber note, and we're going to today's topic. We're not next, next podcast. We're going to talk about chapter four, but this is more of a sign of the reason you wrote the book was because of your brother and your brother passed away on October 31st. Is that correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little about that. And then I want to get into signs of remembering your loved ones in ways that are real signs that you're almost speaking to them as you're able to speak to your, the dog, your dog that passed away or to other people that that's the one thing that think about if you want to read light in the morning, you really are going to find out Margot. Yes, she was an undertaker's daughter, but really she was, has been able to communicate with the dead in certain ways and be believes in that and also facilitates it through mediums. But go ahead, Margot, with uh, talk, talk about your brother for a second. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, how, how you remember people. And actually the whole reason for my book is my memorial, you could say to my brother. Um, yes, he did, did die on Halloween, which is a very strange day to die. I mean, it was just, you know, the whole feeling about Halloween, it was really strange. Um, not to mention how difficult it was, but, um, you, you know, when you think of day of the dead, they remember people, and they they 
and many people make monuments to people and they they will plant a tree for somebody. Um, I just did this whole garden for my dog, Bindi. I wrote this whole book for my brother, Mike. Um, you know, there's things that come out of death. There's great big gifts that come out of death. And when we memorialize that, we definitely remember them. And when we remember them, they don't die. You know, somebody said once, when do the dead die? When they are forgotten. And so by remembering the people that we love, and don't you feel that if you've ever had somebody that's died, you know, I feel like my brother hasn't died in a way because I talk about him so much. I see pictures around my house. Same with my parents, you know, we can't talk to them on the phone, but they feel so strongly here because we actually memorialize them. And I think that's a real important thing to talk about is, is how we remember people and the importance of remembering and honoring their life after they've gone. I, I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's a tremendous thing, Margo, because it's something we talk about, the millennials are really getting this and also even younger, that when they lose their loved ones, they really figure out ways of celebrating, which we've talked about in this podcast uh, before, but the, the memories of people, I think of my father who passed and uh, it was a summer of, I guess, two years ago and I still miss him. I wanna ask him questions. Yeah day, especially in the turmoil times of my life and say, dad, what can you do to help me? And I think of him and I think of him in so many ways of how he was there for me at the end, even though he was passing on, he was with me, uh, really giving me good encouragement, things like that. And he was my best man at my, at my wedding. So really he just, he, he's just a powerful person in my life. And I remember him all the time. And it's like, maybe I want to remember more, but there's some ways of remembering, but also they could be speaking to us. And mm -hmm. that's the thing, Margo, that you amazingly have told me before they passed and after they passed, uh, you know, as bigger than you wouldn't believe. So let's kind of jump right to it of some ways we can remember our loved ones in a way that they're speaking to us, like things to look at kind of go to that. Okay, there, there's probably many levels of this. I'll start with the kind of most superficial level. Um, and people have this experience all the time. Um, like, for example, a girlfriend of mine, whenever she sees this white feather falling through the air, she knows it's her dad. She knows it. it because how many times do you see a white feather fall through the air? You don't. <laughs> and so when it does, and I don't remember, she told me the experience of how she knows that's her dad, but she knows it's her dad. And, um, you know, there was some experience about a white feather with him. And so naturally he, he, he finds white feathers to fly around her when, when he's around um, you know, another friend has, uh, you know, whenever the hummingbird, you know, fulfills that same thing, um, butterflies, coins, lights, light bulbs, you know, there's lots of different things. And here's, here's the thing, Neil, when you associate something like that with somebody and it happens, you know, it's them. It's hard to yes. explain it's it's hard. It sounds so woo woo, you know, to hear that. Oh, this white feather was my dad, and I know it because of this, you know. But but the person who's experiencing it knows it yes. for sure, you know. Like if your dad were to come to you in any form, if he were to come to you now, the one thing you'd know for sure is it's your dad. 
you would know it because your dad has an essence. You, yes. you never doubted that it was your dad when you looked at him. <laughs> you know, it was your dad, and they have this same everything about them. They're just not in a physical body. So when people have these experiences, they know for sure. So and what, that's what what's bringing, cool about it. Go ahead. What about, what about person that passes on that always was that part of your life that somehow a new person you meet becomes part of that person in a way that they're able to take the place, but not in a way, but like some, like maybe that they brought that person to us. Mm. Oh, I, I believe that for sure. I believe that for sure. Because if you think of it this way, if you think that these people who are no longer in the body are right here with us, they're just not in a body. Well, they're just moving around doing things, helping us, talking to us, trying to get us to hear them, trying to point us in directions. They are doing that. We just can't see it. You know, we can't see it. They're not in the body and our eyes only see this physical plane that we are on. But people that can see these other planes, they can see the people and what they're doing. So yes, I completely agree with you that um, somebody probably came into your life because your father nudged them. He probably set that up and, and some level wherever he's at to make sure you met. You know what I mean? Right. I feel that completely. It's just like in real life, except that they're not in the body. So yes, I, I agree that that happens. And that person helps you who didn't help, that was your, the person that helped you before. So they passed on. And I, I believe those nudging, but I love the idea you think about certain things that are reminders of that person, but you really think that person is speaking to them. But what about hints to get you to be more open to it? Like, you know, how mediums are and how they help channel that in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But what about Margo, where some that basically a feeling you get entering a room, some sort of thing that gets you more open to really explore possibly working with mm -hmm. you. Kind of give us mm -hmm, some of those mm -hmm. explanations. I, I like the idea of the sign of that person, a flower or a bird, or somehow, my gosh, my, my father was looking out for me when the rain completely stopped. When I was things like it's almost like what you know. The, the, the church believes, uh, the Catholic church believes in the guardian angel, that that person's your angel looking out for you. But what about really speaking to you? Some signs that could help then maybe explore in a medium because you're getting these signs like you got in your book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, one thing I am quite sure that one thing that really keeps me open for people to come and talk to me is because I meditate. You know, when we you know, I can tell you're, you're busy. Like I am, I'm just busy in my daily life. And, um, it's really hard for people to get through to us when we're that busy. So I think one of the best things people can do, if they really want to kind of explore deeper realms in life, I think, I think the first step is to, to learn some type of meditation that quiets your mind down, because I can tell you every time somebody came to me, it was in the deep of the night, when I was completely quiet or in a meditation when I was completely quiet and surprised somebody came to me, you know, so somehow we have to quiet our mind. We have to get rid of all of the, um, at least temporarily, I'm just saying during this time of communication, you have to somehow get rid of all those superficial thoughts that are just bombarding your mind all the time. Have your heart really open, have an intent to, to, talk to this person and then listen 
Because I can tell you, the people that have spoken to me, they speak in concepts. They will say a phrase, but that phrase means a whole thing. Like it would take me um, a couple of minutes to explain to you what that meant. You, you know what I mean? What I mean? But but, yes. but they speak in very clear, simple phrases or sentences or something, but it's very simple and, and it's the whole concept that's behind it. When you get the communication from them, you get the whole concept, even though four words were said. So it's very cool. But in order to get that, you really have, you have to be quiet. You have to be in this very quiet mental state in this very open, loving, soft heart space. And I say soft because your heart has to feel like it's just simply open. And and when you say that, I just said that word open, I could feel my heart just sort of, just sort of fall open. And when you're in that quiet mental state, in that very quiet, open heart state, with the intent of communicating with someone, I think that's when it happens. I have been communicating with my dogs now since taking this animal communication class. And it's, it's just like that. It's just exactly like I described. So you have to find a way to become quiet. You know, you've got to quiet the mind, quiet the body open the heart, breathe, you know, just simply be in this very kind of open, flowy state. And that's when it happens because I don't think it can happen, Neil, when you and I are out in our busy day, just being so crazy busy. They don't have any room to talk to you. There's no space to come into you. So that. Exactly. Oh, wow. And when you have that come into you, you, you're able to see if they're speaking to you, right? Yes, absolutely. So a lot of those times have happened in your book was based on meditating that they, the the openness. Um, Either meditating or when I was sleeping. A lot of times it was in the middle of the night when I was sleeping because there's a very quiet state. You know, finally your mind is turned off and your body is actually sleeping. It's quiet. It's not running around. So a lot of things come to me in the night, but, um, but, but now I'm communicating um, I do this one meditation I've done for most of my life, and it's just a fantastic meditation. It's not a meditation where you talk to people. It's a meditation where you transcend and you quiet the mind. And I think I have um, kind of a quieter mind because of doing that my whole life. You know, I've really yes. cultured that. And so I think that's probably why people can find me because I do have quiet spots, not during the day when I'm working, but quiet spots times do come to me and they go, Oh, she can hear me now. And they come to me. I think that's probably must be what happens because it it seems like that is what happens. But I think, um, so I think meditation helps your life in general, but it also helps you become quieter. So it's easier for you to settle down, open your heart and listen and hear, you know, just hear if there's, if there's somebody that you want to speak to. I love Margo. And I think that that's the thing that you're, you're open to that. And then after you start feeling that you move forward, I, you believe in manifestation, don't you, Margo? Because Absolutely. Our, our, our brain is able to, to create what we want through power of manifestation. I finally figured it out. I'm like, I wondered why lots of people that are religion and religion, if they really believe that truly it's going to come true through manifestation, it's our worries and our fears that keep us from building that power of manifestation, but through meditation, through allowing our brain, 
our subconscious to work, powerful things will happen to us in our lives. Exactly. And what happens with the meditation I do, it's transcendental meditation. What happens is the brain waves between the left and the right hemisphere, as the brain settles down, it becomes more and more coherent. And they measure the brain waves. And these very incoherent waves start out when you first sit down to meditate. But after a couple of minutes, they start to become more and more coherent between the left and the right hemispheres of the brain. And that never happens any other time. So it's really powerful. And so I, I would encourage anybody to do that anyway, just to be more successful and happy in life. But if you want to communicate with people that we can't see on this earth, then that's a really good thing to prepare your whole physiology for. And then just learn techniques from animal communicators or because I think animal communication is probably the same as people communication. Um, I just happen to have taken an animal communication course, but then you take a class from somebody and your whole physiology be, be very much more receptive to that teaching. All right. Well, fantastic. The best place again, it goes light in the morning.com to purchase your book and also, or Amazon and Make sure you like and share the podcast. It's great talking to you, Margo, but that's the thing, the power of manifestation. And we can manifest to our loved ones and hopefully have that communication because what we, what we want, we can achieve in life and after life. So I appreciate you coming by, Margo. And thanks for, again, Absolutely. for another podcast. Talk next week. And happy, happy okay. Halloween to you. And we'll talk November. Thank you, Neil. You too. All right. Take care. Thanks, Margo. All right. See ya. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That was a light in the morning podcast. Take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show. I'm excited to welcome for Mike Velarde. Mike, how are you? And I'm just finding out, based on me providing a platform for different views than the mainstream media, that even though I'm being a journalist asking questions, I'm being at times attacked, you know, or put things up on YouTube and are censored. Are we in the, really a free society now, or are we in Russia? I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm wondering, is this the Soviet Union? Is this China? Uh, is, is, uh, are we being controlled by, I just, I'm just seeing this more and more than what's happening out there. How, do you agree with me? A hundred percent. Of course, listen, a free society, you wouldn't get rid of the president and stop him from tweeting. They want to control, they're controlling the media. I want to read you a, um, an obituary. Okay. I'm a guy that recently died in California, okay? And for what it's worth, I'm not going to use his last name, but his first name was Michael. Michael, a long-term resident of Gilroy, passed away on November 1st, 2021. Never a kinder, more gentle man that I know than my husband, Michael. For those who knew Mike, you know that he was a good and honest man. He was kind, considerate, and always polite. Mike was adamant that people know what happened to him that caused his early and unexpected death. Message from Mike. Many nurses and non-nursing staff begged me and my wife to get the truth out to the public about the COVID-19 vaccines. Because the truth of deaths from the vaccine was being hidden within the medical profession. I promised I would get the message out. So here is my message. I was afraid of getting the vaccine for fear that I might die. At the insistence of my doctor, I gave in to pressure to get vaccinated. On August 17th, I received the Moderna vaccine and started feeling ill three days later. I never recovered, but continued to get worse. 
I developed multi-system inflammation and multi-system failure that medical professionals could not stop. My muscles disappeared as, as if to disintegrate. I was in ICU for several weeks and stabbed with needles up to 24 times a day for those several weeks, while also receiving six or seven IVs at the same time. It was constant torture that I cannot describe. I was no longer treated as a human with feelings and a life. I was nothing more than a COVID vaccine human guinea pig and the doctors excited to participate in my progression, my fascinating progression onto death. If you want to know more, please ask my wife. I wish I would have never gotten vaccinated. If you are not vaccinated, don't do it unless you are ready to suffer and die. Mike did not deserve the pain and suffering he endured. He was a good man and he deserved better. He was born in, in San Jose, California and moved to Gilroy at age one where he resided for the last 55 years. He attended, and it, it goes, it just goes into you know who he was and what he did. My point is his message, his dying message, was to get out the information about this vaccine that's killing people. Yeah. Okay. The, and that's the thing they don't want to bring that narrative out there. And they want 100% vaccinated. So the new news out there is cases are going up again, right? Cases are up in California. Are we going to see a whole push that cases are going up again just to get people boosters and vaccinated and the people that haven't gotten vaccinated? Well, you know, the president of the United States has been very hypocritical about this. He uh, exempted the White House staff from vaccinations. Exempt work to deal with the post office. They do not have to be vaccinated. Postal employees do not have to be vaccinated. Congress does not have to be vaccinated. Yet the military and federal workers do. What does that do to our military? We lost 700 pilots. We're not in fighting shape. If we had a war tomorrow against China or Russia, we don't have people to fly the planes not to mention the $38 billion in equipment that we left behind in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, the way this has gone up, it spiked the highest level of inflation in like 30 years. Um, today I was at the mall, went to pick something up. They had a special, you know how they have those lunch specials, pizzeria lunch specials? Yeah. Yes. Two slices and a drink, two slices of pizza and a Coke, 10 bucks. That used to be five not too long ago. Ten dollars. I used. To, I remember. I remember getting a pizza for five dollars. The entire pizza. Now it's five dollars a slice. How 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 are people in Minnesota, Michigan, Alaska, going to buy heating oil this year? It's going to break the bank. Right. My son in New York. <laughs> Debating whether to sign a contract for like four dollars a gallon. Right. This inflation okay. and there's no way of stopping it. They keep printing money, right? No, and they keep spending. They're going to put us on a cycle. This is going to be Jimmy Carter too. Oh, I already 
I mean, that's what's going to happen. Jimmy Carter too. But the problem is I'm more concerned about there's just that this could be the time where people are willing to have Jimmy Carter and there's enough power out there and they're willing for Jimmy Carter that what would have happened if Carter, if Reagan wouldn't have not elected and Carter had another four years. It would, it would have been four years of high interest rates, inflation and, uh, you know, we would have had $2 gas back in 1982. And also, wasn't it true? What was the tax rate then when Car- under Carter? It was as high as 76%. It was very high. Reagan redid the entire tax, tax system, which was, which was thankfully very, very good. Um, yeah, I mean, Reagan made a big, big difference in this country, making us prosperous again. Republicans, that- need, they, the Republicans need to not think like Donald Trump, in my opinion, Mike, and they need to think like systematically, is our country going to be done forever? You you can, uh, based on Trump's rhetoric, which hurt us was the fact that he did so much. If he would have kept his mouth shut and just ran the country the way he ran it, he would have been reelected easily. Well, that's true. But but just imagine if there weren't so many people against him that were Republicans or different people based on it. It was based on what he said. So the only way for Republicans to get reelected, and I got an email from a, a celebrity publicist hating me. I don't know if that my uh, he was an MTV in the 90s. I don't think this is my client's right show. His team's concerned about celebrities. You know, I interview celebrities because of your topic on making uh, the country more red. Like it's become a situation where Republicans are considered... You know, and I'm just like, hey, I'm just interviewing. I'm just saying it like it is. I mean, if we could create a party today, a party that doesn't tax, takes care of the poor and is not involving certain people that are racist, which there's some on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, a party like that, it would easily win. But then it would not allow the people to be control of the country. You, you have to, you, you don't miss the bigger picture. What the bigger picture is, this is a good and evil war. This is my book coming to pass. This is Bible prophecy happening. Satan is getting ready to become as the Antichrist and rule and reign over the earth. And what does he want? He wants total control. All these globalists, these new world order people are ungodly people. That's what they are. They don't understand the kingdom of God. They don't understand how things are going to play out according to the Bible. And what you see is you see, that's why you see a vitriol against Trump. They hated his guts, even though he gave us $1.69 gas, peace in the Mideast. The economy was great. Stock market was doing well. People were employed. The um, people were doing better than they ever had before. But there's a hatred for him like, never, like no one else. George Soros said it a year before the election. Donald Trump will not be president again. And he made sure that would not happen. So how does Soros have such control of the world? Because he controls billions of dollars. He controls billions of dollars and he funds so many different left-wing organizations. He also was a major funder in, 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 in like 10 uh, DA's races. The, the Los Angeles County District Attorney, the, the San Francisco District Attorney, who are now not prosecuting shoplifting crimes unless it's more than $1,000. If I, I put my PR marketing hat on, 
Mike, the way for the Republicans to win in 2022 is to educate non-Republicans or independents that voted for Biden why Biden isn't right, why it is. And the reason is our rights are being taken away with the vaccine for the first time ever in this country. Uh, our taxes are going through the roof. Inflation are not looking at the economy of employ. It's okay to employ people, but not give them good jobs, not give them an opportunity by giving certain money away for them to want to stay home. Just looking at society and looking at specifically taking care of everyone. But if you don't go to these people, you don't go to both sides and have a Republican that could go across the aisle like you tried to do, Mike, when you ran. Right. If you go into more rhetoric and less issues, you're going to lose. It doesn't well, I, matter. I, I agree with you there. But here's the other issue. Did you see the, um, the governor's race in New Jersey? Yeah, I heard it was like down to the wire, right? Did you, did you see the video of people going to vote and they could not? They were voting at certain polling places on iPads. And if you pushed the Republican's name, it wouldn't take. You could only vote for the Democrat which is why he has not conceded yet. Now, if we don't fix the voting system, you know, Stalin said it best. Stalin said this, he said, it's not who votes that counts, it's who counts the votes that counts. And if, if we're looking at five or six states where there was massive voter fraud, maybe more, okay, how are the Republicans gonna win them? If you're gonna use the minion machines, and you're going to have, if they get away with 2020, what's going to stop them from getting away with 2022? Because they know the first thing that's going to happen is the Republicans are going to take back Congress. Now, history shows that, right? Obama, when he was president, after two years, he lost 63 seats in Congress. All we have to do is get six seats and we win Congress. We're that close. This is the closest... Uh, Congress ever in like the last 60 years. Okay. The, the, the Democrats only have like a six seat majority. It's not much. Had those 13 Republicans not voted for the, uh, the one, the infrastructure bill, the six Democrats from the squad would have sunk it. We never would have had it. Okay. We're that close. Pelosi's going to retire. She knows it's coming. Now, right. well, let's, let's, so, so based on Bible prophecy and based on your book, it's nothing's going to work out well for the Republican side as I'm being a journalist. The infrastructure well, bill, how bad is it for America, the new infrastructure bill? No, it, 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 it's, it's very inflationary. It's very inflationary. And, and you can't keep spending money when you don't have it, which is exactly what we're doing. It's over a trillion dollars. You know, in 1979, I was in college. I remember... I'm reading this article and the article was for the first time in the history of the United States of America, our debt exceeded a trillion dollars. And how are we ever going to get past this trillion dollar debt? Now that was 79. All the debt from George Washington to Jimmy Carter, they spent more than that in this infrastructure bill. Think about that. So what's the infrastructure bill giving us? Well, it's supposed to give us roads and bridges, but there's so much pork in there that it's taking care of the Democrats, people that, you know, pay into the campaigns. And there's a lot of pork in it. But there's no and, money to spend. So that's and, one thing. And then exactly. 
Right. So let's jump to another topic, and that's China and the new Cold War about to begin. Uh, if I was hearing more, they're building up their nuclear arms. China, I, I predicted this years ago. Uh, the one from Charlie Wilson's war, the woman that was part of Charlie Wilson's war, I've interviewed her a couple times. She's amazing. I don't know if she died yet or not, but she was the one, the woman from Charlie Wilson's war. She basically said to me that Afghanistan, Russia, China, and North Korea are all allies and to look out for that. And that was 10 years ago. What if this happens? What if this is true that there's a new buildup and they're just waiting to just shut us down because we're going to be broke and it'd be very easy to conquer America? Well, I, I think Biden has played into the hands of China. I, I, I think it's, it's almost obvious to everybody that, that his policies benefit China more than the United States. Right. I mean, <laughs> Have we? We're sitting in a position where now our military—if if they wanted to take Taiwan, we couldn't stop them. We don't have the fighter pilots. We let them walk out the door because they refused to get a vaccination. How foolish is that? Yeah. So, based on, or so you're concerned about China, concerned about inflation. We don't want to talk about specifically the supply chain. Right, what's going to be on the shelves in December? Will they have enough people to work for Christmas rush? Right for shopping. Right, will we see anybody? Like I, I could imagine, Black Friday is going to be a bloodbath. Right, because they're not going to have enough people working in the stores, and they're all going to rush in like crazy. I guess they need to do more of an online stuff. What are your predictions? Are you expecting any changes by January? Do you feel that the inflation is going to go even worse? And how, again, 2022 November, we got to wait another year to all the stops if there's a chance for it all to stop, right? The craziness that's happening. I, I, I think the key, they have to get the voting situation straight. It has to be exposed. You can't have a situation where somebody walks in to vote for somebody and they're either told you already voted which, which happened in California under the recall election. People will walk in and say, oh, no, you already voted. You can do a provincial ballot. I mean, that's just outright fraud. Or you can't vote for the person you want because they're a Republican and not a Democrat. Exactly. All right, so. That's number one. You got to yes. straighten that out. We got to so, do something. So I guess we have a lot of different things to cover. Any other news you would say that's come out or we've hit everything? No, well, I, I think the biggest thing is the inflation because you're really starting to see it in the food prices. Like I was shocked when I saw the pizza special, $9.95, two slices of pizza and a Coke. I'm seeing it too at fast food places. I'm seeing it too at the grocery store with certain purchases. It's happening and it's happening big time. And imagine people that are just workers and not entrepreneurs or not business owners where they can choose to make more money. When you're working a job, you can't choose how much more money you can make. That increase right. is not going to go up. And that's where the entrepreneur or business owner has the only better opportunity to make themselves better that year by increasing their salary, their, their overall take and money while other people can just sit there and say, oh my gosh, I can't afford to go. Mike, I'm going to spend less on Christmas presents this year. I'm going to spend less on all these things. So I guess that's the, the mindset is the worker's mindset 
Is this going to be just turn into everyone? Uh, houses will force close. The real estate bubble is coming unless things change. But Mike, you got another year. If there's a chance of a change, it's going to be another year. There's nothing you got can do about it. It just sit there and wait for one more year of Biden to do whatever he wants before 2022, where everything will be flipped. History is shown every time you've had the House and Senate. It's that the flip will happen in that certain year. Do you, but you don't know, expect that that's going to happen in 2022, right? Well, no, I, I do expect it to happen. But I, I think the Democrats are going to do what they can to hold on. It's just they can't stop the tsunami that's coming. Even Democrats are not happy with Biden. The, the man has a 36 percent approval rating. Well, half the country's Democrat. That means he lost a third of his own party. Couldn't oh see that he's inept. This is a guy who I Who's never thought it? was a You, great you don't politics. think Biden's running the country, do you? No, but he's the front man and he's a fool. And his policies are terrible. I mean, you stop our pipeline, right? And now he wants to stop a second pipeline, I heard. And he give Russia a pipeline. So you make gas and oil that help Americans. What's going to happen to the what's going to happen to all the poor people in Minnesota and Michigan that are going to freeze to death this winter because they can't afford home heating oil? Uh, okay. He's gonna he's gonna lose his democratic base. Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that because this guy's in office, now you can't you can't even heat your home. All right. So MikeVillardiBooks.com, his time is coming. WinningTaxSolutions.com, you need help yeah. with tax problems. Pre appreciate it, Mike, and we'll talk next week, man. All right. Thanks, Neil. All right. That was the Mike Villardi Show, guys. Take Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Searching for Integrity and the Brace and the Abyss on the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome to program John Smith. John, how are you? You're going to continue to read your book and each chapter bring back definitely brings back memories, doesn't it? It certainly does. No doubt about it. All right. Okay. Let's go ahead and read the next chapter. Okay. Let me bring it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through the computer this time. Okay. There it is. I can see it and you can't. How's that? <laughs> okay. It's chapter 23 and it's entitled That You, God? During my life, this life, I've been spared from death a number of times. Each event coming close to my not being here anymore, I would think to myself, why didn't I die? I have no doubt that guardian angels and guides actually exist. And I believe each person has more than one. I vividly remember four times I should have been dead. In the first event, I was a third grader, hanging out with an older kid, maybe a sixth grader or so, near Madison Elementary in Oklahoma City. There was a large creek northeast of the school where a construction company had dumped a good deal of concrete chunks with protruding rebar on the side of the creek sloping away from where we stood. We decided to cross the creek using the concrete as a bridge with the older kid going first using bigger steps to land on the largest concrete pieces. I was next. He said to go slow and watch out for the rebar. 
which was twisted and protruding in weird angles from the concrete chunks. After a few steps, I tripped and began to tumble head over heels. I couldn't tell you where to place my hands. I couldn't tell where I should place my hands or my feet to avoid the deadly rebar sticking out like a minefield. Finally, I came to a stop, uninjured at the bottom of the slope near the water. My new friend said, I don't believe you just did that. I answered, did what? He shook his head. He said, there's no way you should have gotten through that much crooked steel without mangling yourself on the tangled rebar. I don't believe that I just saw what I saw. I didn't have much of a reply to what he was saying, but I did, didn't feel a presence. It was growing dark, so we decided to split up. I crossed over the creek and headed home, wondering why I wasn't hurt. Grateful, but not sure how. Feeling a calmness around me. When I was a fifth grader, because daddy needed an extended stay at the mental hospital, we could no longer afford the white stone house we lived in. It was sold, and we moved to another home in a different elementary school district. I went from being a magpie to a Bruin. One day with a heavy rain, I took my dog Pancho, a mid-sized Airedale poodle mix for a walk toward 10th Street. A concrete canal with slanted sidewalls was nearly full of rainwater. Rushing through it at a pretty high speed. I got the idea to jump in for a brief ride and jump out the canal because it went under the street about 50 yards away. So I jumped. The rainwater was moving faster than I had thought, and it was now in charge of me and my plan. I could not get to the sidewalls to get out. I was trapped in the canal center where the water was fastest. On a dry day, I had previously explored the canal. Walking to the end, it opened at a ground level where a landscape business was located. Moving rapidly as I approached the road with the rainwater accelerated, I saw the opening was only about a foot high between the water and the road. I realized if I went under, I wouldn't come out alive. Reaching the side of the road above, I threw up my hands to grab the sidewalk and avoid being pulled under. Then I realized problem number two, the runaway rainwater pulling my legs was stronger than my skinny arms hugging the road. Oh, wow. <clears throat> After a few minutes, my arms began to slip. I was losing my grip. I struggled harder, but to no avail. All of a sudden, I felt a tug at the end of my right shirt sleeve. It was Poncho. He had grabbed a hold of my shirt with his chomped teeth, pulling on all fours, making backward thrusts. It was just enough to enable me to move to the side where the water wasn't so fast and crawl away from the canal. I was spent. Poncho sat next to me until I could get up. Then we headed home probably accompanied by a few, <laughs> yes, by a few of my guardian angels. Yeah, you betcha. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. It is. Next one. Yeah. 
A couple of years later, I attended Taft Junior High in Oklahoma City. I saw the principal, Mr. Turner, so often for paddling that he invited me to join him and a counselor and two other seventh grade students for a camping trip to New Mexico during spring, spring break. My parents said, okay, it was an okay trip, even though the other two boys were kind of dull and unfriendly. So what's new? On the way back through the national forest on a two lane highway, we were approaching a steep hairpin curve going up and to the left. As we began our ascent, a black Porsche appeared at the top of the curve and attempted the steep curve without slowing. It's a Porsche, right? I had been sitting in the seat behind Mr. Turner to his right so I could see where we were going. I had a good view of the Porsche coming at us. The Porsche couldn't handle the turn on the snow and ice and slid sideways toward all of us, finally meeting us pretty much head on. We met at the bottom of the curve. The noise from the crash was loud, not only from the two vehicles meeting metal but the camping gear transferring itself from the back of the Mr. Turner's white station wagon to the front. The tent poles had been placed in the back of the station wagon and upon the cars colliding, fired themselves forward towards the windshield. In surveying the damage, we determined that four of the tent poles shot by me like long bulleted spears two to the left of my neck and two to the right, about an inch from my ear. The counselor said, Johnny, you are one lucky boy. Once again, I felt a calm presence. In 1968 and 69, I was in Vietnam. When the monsoon was ending in 68, I transferred to a Chinook company, moving to the other side of the metal tarmac. Fuloi was the Army airfield between Saigon and Tainan West. Rocket and mortar fire were coming and sometimes accurately aimed by the Viet Cong. I settled in with my new company and had about 90 days left, qualifying me as a short timer, meaning I'm getting to go home pretty soon. During an early March morning attack, we were awakened to two rocket explosions with the sirens going off. Later that morning in the mess hall, I overheard two overheard talk about where the rockets had landed. They were pointing to an area next to my hooch, making an arc with their hands from where it was came from and how it came in. I was surprised to learn that we had taken some shrapnel in my part of the hooch. I went back to the check things out and talked to a couple of guys who bumped near me. They were pointing out the areas where the shrapnel passed through near their bunks. When they left, I went to, back to my bunk and began searching for shrapnel and holes. I discovered a row of small jagged holes forming a bumpy line about two feet above my bed. I could see it hadn't missed by much. I stepped outside to view where the shrapnel entered from the outside and went back to look again the shrapnel holes were still there. 